If I am ready, by George, I am ready. When's it going to happen? <laughs> this thing here is giving me more trouble. I keep getting, yeah, I keep getting a hum in this thing, which uh, you can take out if you bang the right side of this. Yeah. How many of you people uh, are advocates of the hit it on the side school of uh, repair, eh? Well, I'll get this thing going. Watch this now. Yeah, no, it's still... Hello, one, two, three... Yeah, well, this ain't going to do it this time. Did you know that uh, that in the uh, space capsule, this uh, space lab the other day, that they got a whole system working by hitting it? Yeah. kind of re That's kind of reassuring. I mean, that means you ain't alone, friend. Although I, I remember one time a friend of mine hitting the TV set on the side... When they begin to flop over, you know, and make obscene sounds. You know how TV sets will do occasionally. Like, you know, and he, he hit it on the side. And I'll tell you, it blew the side of his apartment out. You know, there's 20,000 volts in there. And he crossed the wrong wires. Hey, uh, before we uh, get started here today, uh, I'd like to uh, just... If you think if, if you think that, uh, that our country has... Uh, the sex war is heating up. Uh, I would just like to point out that it's uh, in other parts of the world. It's even more interesting in Brasilia. You know, that's down in Brazil. Uh, two men in uh, Arapichara, northeastern Brazil, killed their wives because they didn't like the food they were getting at home, police reported. What a great commercial that would be, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I think, uh, speaking of uh, woman's lib and all the rest of the associated this brouhaha, I think it's kind of a nice piece of irony today. We just got to note uh, that uh, that next month, the first World Festival of Women's Lib will be held on the Isle of Man. It's uh, late September. <laughs> the Isle of Lesbos. You don't mind me bringing in a little, a little uh, classical references there. Now we're on the subject of classical references tonight. We have something that I think is of dubious and questionable taste. Uh, as you probably know, there's a great deal of interest these days in the occult. Uh, the let's put it this way: the the nether side of reality. Uh, there's a great growing interest in evil. There's a growing interest in all of the uh, all of the stuff which uh, apparently was stomped out about the eighth century, and it's now coming back strong. But the only trouble is, very few of us know anything about it. A lot of guys say, "Yeah, yeah, I believe in magic." But he's not what the hell magic is. He just thinks magic is winning in Las Vegas. Whereas actually, there's a lot more to it than that. And so tonight, as part of our continuing and on on moving. A program of total education for the public. We have brought you tonight some actual information, and it's printed, it's very official information, uh, about various things which you may have wondered about but have been too scared to ask. Uh, for example, uh, just what exactly is a giant? I mean, in the, in the classical, uh, traditional definition, what exactly is an ogre? What's the difference between an ogre and a giant? Have you ever worried about this and wondered about this stuff? Uh, what is a spirit? 
It, and, and I'm talking about in the classical definition of what a spirit is. Uh, so if we're returning to the 8th century, we might as well return to it with uh, a certain amount of grace and knowledge. You, you stop the average guy in the street, let's say in the year uh, 722, and, uh, you know, you're, you're in this, uh, this, uh, this mud hut village on the coast of Scotland, right? You can see yourself right there, huh? And it's got uh, walls surrounding it to keep out the, uh, uh, well, whoever it is that's going to come, and they're always coming, you know, with clubs, painting themselves blue, rings in their ears, and the whole bit uh, with a horn sticking out of their nose. And, and you have to protect yourself. So uh, you stop the average walking around serf or vassal. And by the way, what is the difference between a serf and a vassal? Wouldn't you like to know, since we are returning to those days uh, rapidly, we've got to know these things. Uh, because uh, there, it, it requires a certain amount of knowledge to live in your own world. Uh, for example, we know what, if I just say to you, uh, slob, you know what slob is, right? And you can define slob very well. Uh, you know what it is. <laughs> you may very well be one, as a matter of fact. Although I have rarely found a slob who concedes his slobism. Uh, but nevertheless, you may very well be, but uh, you'd know what it means. But if I were to ask a man of the 9th century or the 8th century or the 7th century, hey, uh, Wamba, please, come here for a minute. <laughs> Wamba, what is a slob? <laughs> you would not know, because it is a term of our century. Be very, he, he probably lives among slobs, but he does not know what a slob is, because it is a term that is specific to our century. The term was not even known in the 19th century. Did you know that? The term slob. It, uh, the term slob actually uh, was created at about the time that they had the inauguration for the George Washington Bridge, when the literati of New York suddenly came face to face with large crowds of Jerseyites. And the, the uh, term suddenly became, it was created by an unknown hero of uh, the literature of the time and has remained with us. Now, where this word actually came from, most people do not know, but uh, it was actually created in the, in the lobby of the Hotel Algonquin by one of the literary lights of the period who, upon observing large numbers of Jerseyites for the first time who were able to come over to New, come over to New York uh, unscathed, uh, walking along 44th Street in great profusion. He was sitting there, and he was, at the time, having a little Napoleonic brandy, as writers of the period were wont to do, both before, after, and during his meal. He attempted to say something else, uh, according to people who were on the hand on, on the scene at the time, but the word came slob, and, and that was so apt that it was immediately picked up by a writer who reported it to a columnist of the day, and the term slob was actually created. Now, um, what he was trying to say, we don't know. But uh, what the Wright brothers were trying to create, we don't know. Suffice it to say, it flew. Uh, they pretended afterwards that they were trying to create the airplane. But prior to that time, no one quite knows. But uh, So the word has gained credence in our time. Now, wouldn't you like to know what a trollop, a troll, a bawd, a doxy, or a strumpet is? You, act, you would? Bring me a little of that uh, middle, uh, uh, let's say, uh, middle century music, please. 
For the first time, I am confronted with a with a textbook that I find is a very interesting textbook, and I think sus- I suspect may find great uh, circulation among uh, people who are interested in true education uh, in our time. It's the Book of the Weird, being a desirable lexicon of the fantastical trolls and vampires, wherein kings and dragons, to say nothing of elves, gnomes, queens, knaves, and werewolves, are made manifest and many, many further revelations of the mystical order of things. The mystical order of things. Little echo chamber there, please. The mystical order of things. Let's try it again. The, the mystical, mystical order, order of things. things. Fine, now let's just give me a little of that uh, sneaky music there. Now, let's, uh, you can take it out now, please. Thank you very much. Now, uh, I will uh, give you a definition of a gnome. Gnomes. Gnomes and dwarves. Now, no more than distant cousins originally came from a common ancestor. The gnome and the dwarf came from a common ancestor. Gnomes are quite comfortable living underground, even in the kingdoms of dwarves, if not too much work is expected of them. They settle down above ground much more casually and for longer periods of time than do dwarves. Gnomes are smaller than dwarves, are usually less than two feet tall. They have excessively large hands and feet at the end of very spindly limbs, and they affect wide leather belts in an attempt to conceal their large waistlines. <laughs> no, this, this is not... These are actual definitions that have come down out of the middle period of man's uh, a great superstitious era, which is to say they believed in things that we don't believe in. I say man is never out of the superstitious era. He just changes the superstitions from century to century. But uh, this was another period, and it's coming back. Uh, gnomes are fun-loving and fond of practical jokes, but have extremely short tempers, and their irascibility does not win them any friends, even among their own kind. So a gnome is not even liked by his friends. Quite often they retreat to a solitary life in trees, caves, or forests, misunderstanding and misunderstood by all, chattering. In a low voice, they occasionally plague casual passers-by. Have you ever heard any chattering sounds you've never been able to explain? Or something fell off of a building on you? This is a gnome at work. They are skilled with their hands and could probably be tailors and cobblers if they... Many of them migrate each winter far to the north, curiously enough. They migrate in a reverse order of things. Now, would you like to know what an ogre is? We've all heard the terms, and you probably thought at times you've worked for one. And quite possibly you have. Uh, if you'd like to know what that guy is who's working in the in the accounting department, a curious, strange look, he may be an ogre. Ogres, which are the third species of giants, they're a giant type. They're of the giant general classification of giants, are the least attractive and the most frightening of all the giants in appearance, generally having either one eye or three and a variety of other deformities. And curiously enough, this might come as some solace to you if you're working for an ogre, they are the least dangerous. Now, this may be a significant point. 
uh, for you to uh, keep in mind if you're attempting to, uh, to define your boss. Curiously enough, they are the least dangerous because they are fantastically stupid. That fits. Uh, they are also extremely gullible, and this certainly sounds like most bosses, quite easily frightened. Uh, this, is a <laughs> this is a definition of an ogre. In contests with men, actual men, they are always bested. However, their great size and terrifying, unsavory appearance is so intimidating that they almost win everything they get involved in without even, uh, even uh, coming down to the, you know, the P's and Q's of a fight. <laughs> People run from them. God, that sounds just like a guy I used to work for out in Cincinnati. I mean, I'm telling you. Uh, by the way, they are all very susceptible to distractions. God, that fits. And have troubles with even the simplest logic. <laughs> George, this is W.O.R., friends, <laughs> in New York, uh, an RKO general station. And for further information, ogres prefer to live in caves. Castles are a second choice. But they do not like to remain outdoors over long. They surround themselves with bones and teeth. And uh, that certainly does sound like, uh, like uh, Mr. Wilson that I worked for at one time. He would surround himself with the bones and teeth of fired account executives. Matter of fact, uh, they dress themselves after a fashion in odorous skins, the origin of which it is better not to know, according to the uh, uh, copy here. Uh, they have weak eyesight, flat feet, and the uh, ogre children are chronically adenoidal and round-shouldered. So, you know, the best ogres have only one eye. Okay, watch out for the three-eyed type. Now, would you like to know about giants? All right, giants. Uh, before we get underway, speaking of great giants, let's hit the Dubonnet spot, please. Tonight, instead of the usual before dinner, how about a Dubonnet before dinner? Mm. Hey, what do you mean before? Before what? What are you suggesting, you? Get out of here. I know you're a nice Tonight, before you fix the usual, before you settle down with the same old thing, have a Dubonnet instead. Dubonnet's the wine that's made to go before lunch, before dinner. Just pour it over the rocks. Add a twist. Soda, if you like. That's Dubonnet before. Made to make what comes after that much better. Dubonnet Company, New York, New York. Thank you. That was very nice. Dubonnet Company, New York, New York. I mean, they shouldn't have some great place like uh, like Marseille. I mean, you know, with a name like that. Uh, by the way, speaking of names, that is what is everything is about. What's it about? Education is a process of learning names, friends. Uh, one of the most dramatic changes in the field of independent school education uh, is the desire. This is according to this copy. Now, I'm not going to attest for it because I've already gotten a lot of letters from people saying, wait a minute, what do you mean? Uh, I'm just giving you what the, what the copy says here. One of the most dramatic changes in the field of independent school education is the desire of today's student to retain his family and community identity while preparing for college. Now, this change has prompted the Cheshire Academy of Cheshire, Connecticut, 
to introduce a five-day boarding plan, which starts the 17th of September. Eins, zwei, drei. We're going to ask some tough questions. You don't have to answer them, but they could change your thinking about the beer you drink. Did anyone ever tell you all beers taste the same? Do you believe him? Do you know there really is a difference and it depends on how the brewmaster brews it? Do you know a brewmaster is like a cook? And like all cooks, some are better than others? Do you know there's one brewmaster who is so good he's the brewmaster for not just one, but all seven breweries where Ballantine beer is made? And do you know that Ballantine's brewmaster is brewing the best-tasting beer you can buy? When are you going to try Ballantine? Why not tonight? And when someone asks you if one beer tastes any better than the rest, tell him the answer to that question. The only answer, Valentine. That sounds very serious. I never knew that picking a beer involved all these philosophical connotations, did you? Usually my friends just holler, Hey, you got any beer? Yeah, that's a... <laughs> Oh, well. Brewed by the P. Ballantyne Brewing Company. Maybe it's my friends. Cranston, Rhode Island. Picturesque Cranston. And uh, while we're on the subject of uh, potables, uh, let's uh, finish off the final one here. And uh, it's a spot for an elegant red Beaujolais wine. And uh, it's uh, it's a good one, by the way. A genuine Beaujolais, Alexis Lachine. Alexis Very good. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, bringing uh, information that is very important to the standing around slob during this time, after our radio does perform this function, uh, we would like to announce that this month, according uh, this is a note from Tel Aviv, which came from Associated Press, very official, and uh, September, which is just coming up, has been announced as Modesty Month by Israeli rabbis have declared this month uh, as Modesty Month and have asked all women uh, not to wear revealing clothing. Oh, no, that's only for this month. They can go back. <laughs> oh, there's always a killjoy around. There always is. You just cannot. And so it's Modesty Month. I can just see New York celebrating that one with gusto. Modesty Month, you know. But... Uh, uh, yeah, we keep you aware of those things. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, if you think that only America has uh, sneaky officials, so we have another one here. The mayor was jailed. Uh, the mayor and two former officials of the northern town, this is in Japan, of Haboro, have been jailed for falsifying population figures to get the town the status of a city. Oh, that's sneaky. <laughs> Uh, they caught him. Can you see that Watergate? That big discussion. Well, we thought there were a lot of people living over in them weeds. I was told by my my official weed counters that. But uh, here we have here. Now we got to continue here. Uh, I, I this is very important to me because I want to. I, I don't. I hate uh, uh, lackluster definition. I like people to know what they're talking about. And uh, for you pro football fans which is uh, it's coming up quickly. According to the lexicon and the history of uh, medieval, mystical, 
uh, creatures of the nether world. Uh, here's the official uh, definition of a giant. You know, it's funny. You know, you see these guys walking around, it says on their helmets, giants. I wonder how many people don't know what the hell a giant is. They just think it's a football player. You know, giant is Norm Sneed. Uh, what is a giant? It isn't just a big guy. Oh, no. A giant has to be a specific kind of big guy. Do you want to know what a giant is, any of you giant fans? Men whose vast width, height, strength, and appetite fall under the general classification of giants. There are three types of giants. Giants, which is the generic term. Trolls. Yes, trolls fit under the, are under the general classification of giants. Let's say they're, they're a, uh, in that same genus there, that same species, right? Uh, giants, trolls, and the last one is an ogre. None are measurable by our yardsticks. That fits most of the guys, especially on the defensive line, having better ones of their own. All of them are much larger than men. There is no limit to the height that they may attain. Giants are the largest, trolls the second, and ogres the smallest. But all are extremely heavy-boned, heavily muscled, thick-skinned, with hairy bodies, long arms, large hands, and feet with varying numbers of digits. Varying numbers of digits. That certainly fits some of the linemen I've known. Uh, I even knew one lineman that had uh, webbed feet. Uh, but uh, as a race, by the way, and this certainly fits many of the giants I have associated with, are uncommonly antisocial. Doesn't that fit some of the football players you've seen? Uncommonly antisocial. They have no organization. They do not fit well with any kind of uh, governments, and they are ordinarily lead separate lives, alone or in pairs. Giants marry, curiously enough, those that do have prodigious numbers of offspring. But a large number of the children perish young due to neglect, bad diet, or the marauding of other giants. So the race is not increasing in number. It remains fairly stable. They are impatient and wasteful, making little or ill use of the results of their raids and depredations. It certainly fits. I'd just like to see a football game once where the Giants, say, trample over the Pittsburgh Steelers and continue right in after them, chase them right in after the gun, chase them right into the, into the uh, dressing room, uh, <laughs> out into the street, just fight them all the way down to City Hall and get rid of that damn Pittsburgh team for once and for all. After all, that's what it's about. Uh, this is true of most football players. They dig seemingly senseless pits. root trees, and they trample underfoot whole hamlets at no apparent profit. Well, that, that, uh, <laughs> that kind of fits. <laughs> now, it, it, have you ever wondered about that? that we, 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 keep, we, have, we have maintained, uh, here we are, we're in the 20th century, almost at the end of it, in fact, and yet we maintain very close ties in our language and in some of the things that we say and do with people who were alive and thinking and walking around as long ago as three or four thousand years. I mean, such things as the celebration of Christmas. This goes back to ancient pagan rites. But uh, 
Here, here we use the term giant. Giant, you know, is an old Anglo-Saxon word. Do you know that? And here we, you see these guys. And yet there's, there's a certain parallel, you know. When you watch a 297-pound lineman, 6 feet 7, uh, and he's got a, a thing that says right on his helmet, you know, NY, see? <laughs> and across the front it says giants. Well, he is a giant. He really is. Uh, and and, and we, we, I wonder how many people see the, the Cincinnati team and they have no idea of what Bengal means. The Cincinnati Bengals. Well, you, you notice it says on their helmet, Bengals? Well, a lot of people say, well, that's a tiger. Well, no, no, it isn't a, a tiger. It's, it's a specific kind of tiger. Now, what is Bengal? Well, Bengal is one of the states of India. It's the state of Bengal. And I'll bet it would surprise a lot of guys walking around, say, a town like New Delhi to discover <laughs> that there is a team in the United States that plays this esoteric game, which they do not play in India, and they wear the, the name of one of their states on their helmet. Now, if... if it would never occur to a man in India that if you said the Cincinnati Bengals that you're referring to tigers. He would think you're referring to the Bengali or the Bengalis, which refer to, to citizens of Bengal. But Bengal is the name of a specific kind of tiger. Now, why, do they, why, why have we always associated Bengal with tigers? Well, the, the Bengal tiger is the largest of the tigers. Uh, it's a particular area. Uh, they're quite rare now, as a matter of fact. And the Bengalese tiger is a mean one. <laughs> I mean, that's a biggie. And uh, he's, he's the, the classical tiger, you know, the orange and black striped tiger. Now, Siberian tigers are a different color. Uh, there are even some tigers found in certain parts of Africa, but very, very rare. But the Bengal tiger is, uh, you know, this is... Uh, now, now, there are other names, for example, that, uh, that you wonder about uh, why they're called this. The Yankees, for example. Why are the Yankees called the Yankees? They're not from New England. Why Yankee? But, you know, it's, a, it's a, one of those curious anomalies. You would think that Boston would, would have a team named the Yankees. But they don't. They have a team called the Red Sox. Now, why do they call them Red Sox? Why Sox? Why not the Green Pants or something like that? Why Sox? Well, that's uh, beyond the scope of this course. I'll take that up next semester. However, there is a, a, a phrase about giants, which you should remember in case you ever use the phrase. A troll will eat an ogre. This is an, an old medieval poem about this particular creature called the giant. The troll will eat an ogre. An ogre will eat a troll. A giant will eat an ogre. A troll will eat a giant. A giant will eat a troll. However, an ogre will not eat a giant. All will eat humans, gladly. <laughs> now, now, uh, you want to hear more about giants? Giants are the largest of these three species. They seldom grow less than 12 feet tall. Have you noticed that there's no basketball team called the Giants? And they should be? That's, that's irony. I know giants among the basketballers, and yet that's where the true giant finds his, uh, his place in our society. 
that under other uh, rules, uh, say somebody like Will Chamberlain, he would be called a giant, you know, uh, not, not a Laker. What the hell is a Laker? Why do they call him a Laker? Now, have you ever wondered why L.A. calls the Lakers the Lakers? You haven't. That's because you're dumb, right? <laughs> Most people never question a damn thing. They really don't. If a guy walks in and says he's from outer Mongolia, nobody says, why? What are you doing here? No, and they say, oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And they go right on their way. <laughs> I, I've discovered that most people simply do not question anything in their lives. And uh, what they do question is usually totally trivial. But uh, why do they call the Los Angeles Lakers Lakers? Well, where did they originally come from? That was a team that was moved, you know. Now, why do I know this and none of you know this? They came from Minnesota, right? Ah, yes, they were originally from Duluth, St. Paul. Now, what is in St. Paul and Duluth? That is, there's a giant lake there, for you Americans who don't know a damn thing about your country, and it is called Lake Superior. Now, why is that called Lake Superior? That's right, it's the largest of the... How many great lakes are there? <laughs> oh man, I'll tell you. You know that the average walking around kid who's taking geography in Italy knows more about America than the average American? How many Great Lakes are there? Can you name them? All right, can you name them? All right, we've started out with Superior, right? I'll give you another clue. There's one called Michigan. Okay, and then where? Come on. All right. All right, now, so, so the reason that they called the Minnesota Lakers was that it was after Lake Superior. They lived on this lake, you know, that's right. Now they have moved to, they've moved to, to L.A., and the meaning is almost lost completely because there are no lakes around Los Angeles. You have to go a long way to a place like Tahoe to discover a lake. And, but yet the name remains. Now, eventually, they will, they will, a lot of them move to the Sahara Desert, and they will be called the Lebanese Lakers. And that there was, <laughs> you know, so, so that's how, how words get slowly defeated until eventually they have no meaning at all. Now, I'll ask you, know, let's take other uh, sports teams are very symbolic, you know. Uh, the names of the teams, we're not, uh, I don't care whether you're interested in sports or not, but the names are very symbolic. Uh, why did they call, let's take, uh, let's take a typical team, the Indians. Why were they called the Indians originally? They, they, they didn't pull that out of the hat. Just said it's a great name. Well, all right, I'll tell you. And once again, I'm confronted with the total ignorance of my fellow man. That uh, in the early, very early days, when were the Indians formed, the, the club? About 1900, roughly, 1901. They go back to the beginning of the American League. Now, that was the turn of the century. That was a long time ago. What was Ohio known for in those days? You may be surprised. It was known for its large Indian mounds, Indian population, and especially in that area, the, the mounds, the mound builders of Ohio had, had mounds, and they still have them. And you drive along the road to Cleveland, what they call the Three Seas Highway, you pass these Indian mounds, and there are hundreds of them, many of them still not explored. And so it was a natural thing to call them the Cleveland Indians. 
because uh, Ohio was was uh, known for its Indian uh, relics and population. That surprises most people because they think of always the Indians that connected with Utah, places like that. But the mound builders were a very big thing in Ohio. Now, why do I know this? I'm smart. Okay. Now, <laughs> we move on. Uh, you want to hear some more of these? Are you curious about any of these things? Why, for example, do they call the Green Bay Club the Packers? Yes, the Green Bay Packers. Why? Hmm? Uh, there. Well, that's obvious. Uh, around that area, the meat packing industry was the biggest industry in that immediate area around Green Bay. This is where they make all these sausages and all that kind of stuff. And in the early days, they actually had the name of a specific packer, a company like the, uh, uh, I'm just pulling one on the hat, it wasn't the actual one, like the Green Bay uh, Swift and Company Packers, something like that. But then as they as they became big in the professional league, they cut, they dropped the name of the the original sponsor, and they simply became the Green Bay Packers. And they refer to the meat industry in that area. Now, uh, why why did, uh, again, the Cincinnati Red Reds, why were they called that? Well, that was, a, that was an obvious one. That, was re that related to their uniform, actually. They were the first professional baseball team, by the way, in case you're curious. And they travel around playing exhibitions against local nines. And they, uh, they, uh, to, to designate their team, they were famous. They had these, these, uh, knee-high red stockings. And they were called the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, originally the Red Stockings. Uh, that's also how the Boston Club got its name, too, because they had red stockings. What, the Chicago White Sox were, of course, that. They wore white socks. Ironically enough, the Chicago White Sox no longer wear white socks. But yet they call themselves that. Uh, now, uh, what about what about some of the other clubs? See, this is how uh, this is why the word Giants. You want to hear more about the Giants since we live in this town? Okay, Giants are uh, seldom. Uh, they are virtually always evil and dangerous, almost invariably. But alone among the three are not necessarily so. A benign giant is occasionally encountered. You know, like Roosevelt Greer. You know. Uh, <laughs> but it is well to give them ample opportunity to exhibit friendliness before coming within their grasp. They are notoriously slovenly. They are, incidentally, are, are very much fond of ale, giants. They also drink resonated wine and spirits, and they prefer goose grease to butter. Oh, I thought you might like to know a little esoterica there. Now, a troll now is slightly smaller than giants and have a wicked intelligence. Very different from the giant, which uh, they have, they, they can pull off deeds of foul cunning. They're extremely strong, agile, and greedy, and must never be trusted. They are unattractive, indeed, repellent, foreboding, hard flesh, coarse skin, greasy, dandruff-laden hair. Oh, I hate to hear this. Vestigial scaling on knees and elbow. <laughs> oh, they're really rotten. Scanty fingers and toads. Their shifty eyes are one of the most noticeable features. They dislike direct sunlight. God, that sounds like a lot of my friends. I know one guy that's been living in a rotten apartment down on Hudson Street for over nine years. He's scaly, too. They are found living in holes, caves, under rocks, and bridges on the shadowy side. They eat people. And in times of famine, they can digest stones. They collect chains, curiously enough. It's their hobby. <laughs> and they always steal these. Uh, they uh, are loath to work with their hands. Uh, the gold 
which they amass is well guarded, and they do not spend it. They are subject to sunburn. Bad teeth, they have warts. Uh, always assume the worst of trolls. They are always barefoot. They do not like to sit down. And uh, they are always bad news. Now, I, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sitting here thinking about these things, and I think, you know, do you know that that's where the term toll house came to, came to be? That's right. You, you drive along the Jersey Turnpike, and you see toll house. Well, that, what, what does a troll ordinarily do? Well, trolls are legendary for hiding under bridges, and the minute somebody drives up, they run up and they say, all right, hand it over, man, and you, you pay to get across that damn bridge. Uh, if you don't, you just simply don't get across the bridge. And, and uh, so the, the, the whole legend of the troll at the bridge slowly began to be, uh, the, the word began to slowly evolve and when they began to put prices on going across a bridge, they used to originally call them a troll bridge. It was meant it meant that the, it was a sarcastic, sardonic term. If a guy built a bridge, you know, his own bridge, and you had to pay him, say, one kopechnik to get across, <laughs> they would call it a. They say, hey, you know, uh, it's oh man, don't go down there. That's a troll bridge, meaning this guy charged you to get across on the bridge. Well, slowly the word began to uh, evolve, and the R was dropped. And why was the R dropped? Because the legendary king of Bavaria could not pronounce R's. So, <laughs> ultimately, they became known as toll bridges. Toll bridge was one word in those days. Toll bridge, which, which was a word for bad, money-grubbing, rotten people that stood around and charged you even to walk around down on the roads. Well, it certainly sounds like uh, going across on a good Sunday afternoon getting over to Jersey on the Jersey Turnpike, doesn't it? I mean, every 15... Well, the worst one of them all is, is Connecticut. It seems like every 14, 15 feet there's a troll bridge, a troll house, and they have some pretty trolly-looking people sitting with their hands out all the time. You drive along. They even have... I, I'm waiting for the day when they go full tilt into this thing. And they, you notice that, that, the, that the troll houses, I prefer to call them by their right name, are almost always painted green. Did you notice that? Uh, have, have you followed this? Well, the green, of course, was the legendary color. The troll's skin is green. He usually has a, uh, usually has a small fin running up his back. And so the troll, the troll house that you see as you drive up to, to, uh, to pay your quarter on the, on the Connecticut Turnpike is almost always green. This is, a, this is the uh, traditional color of the troll. You notice the, the glass around it is green because the troll often lived underwater, under the, uh, under the bridge. And so it's all very symbolic, see. And uh, I'm waiting for them to go all out. When they, you know this, this uh, plastic basket where you throw your quarter into when it says uh, uh, exact change lane out on the Connecticut Turnpike? When will they make that basket? They mold it out of plastic, and it's a claw with webbed feet. It's, a, it's an actual troll reaching out. <laughs> and uh, I think putting in that quarter would make you feel better than at that point. And so we've saluted tonight the trolls, the ogres, the giants, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Curious and album. And by the way, I hope many of you are going to celebrate Modesty Month, which is coming up next month. I hope we see a lot of people celebrating Modesty Month. It doesn't sound like a fun month, though. Modesty has held down a lot of good parties. 
You agree? It's killed many a, a potential orgy. Uh, you know, it's killed a lot of stuff. It's, uh, oh, you know, I... I but after all, you know, let's say if, if modesty is your thing, it, uh, it's not going to put it down. You know? <laughs> Just don't wish it on me. But uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah, you notice people who believe in modesty want all the others too to do it. There's a certain, uh, certain, uh, yeah, there's a certain terrible evangelistic thing to that. And so we passed from one note to the other as we hop over the great alpine, rocky, craggy range of man's intelligence. My God, where will it ever end? The giants are coming. And incidentally, I forgot to carry on a little bit further. Do you know that there's a there's a, a, a whole new cult that's growing which goes beyond witchcraft? Did you know that witches were a civilized form of what went before the witches? Didn't know there was something beyond witchcraft, did you? Oh, listen, friends. You scratch the surface and God knows what's going to come pouring out of those rocks at Stonehenge. Yes. Look carefully at that obelisk, that green, sinister troll house on the Connecticut Turnpike. You're looking at the ancient past of man himself, paying every inch of the way, every miserable inch of the way, with those green claws reaching out eternally. More, more. This is WOR New York and RKO radio station. Stay tuned for John Wingate. Is this world run by computers? Yes. Tonight, we talk to a man who runs computers. John Wingate. Nightbeat. <laughs> 